You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Hello, hello. Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is part two from our previous Indie Talk, where last week we had a, a such a long conversation uh, in our original topic. We didn't get to our secondary topic, and we wanted to make sure that we had a chance to talk about it because it's very near and dear to us, and we'll talk about what that is in a moment. But first, since it is an Indie Talk week, that means my co-founder and good friend, Nicholas Bugs is on the call. Say hello, Nick. What's up, everybody? I am here. I am hanging out with Chris. I just finished drinking some nice hot tea. Yes, with some Hennessy in it. Uh, and makes it nice and warm on a cool night. Uh, I know Chris right now is hearing me speak. And he's got those, you know, quiet storm, late night radio vibes going. And, yeah, I'm trying to set the mood for a, a good conversation that we're going to have. So my inner thighs are getting wet. See, I can't I can't help it, man. You know, it just it just <laughs> happens that way sometimes. <laughs> I'm all slippery. <laughs> Gay talk. Uh, right. you, you are an idiot, my friend. You are an idiot. All right. So anyway, yeah, it's good to see you guys, you, um, you know, on the on the other side of what is it? Is it podcast world? Yeah, podcast, podcast, podcast land. land. Podcast, podcast land. It's not a world. Yeah, yeah, but, it's, but it's going to be. There are predictions that uh, the podcasting business will grow to a uh, billion dollar business in 2020. That's how nice. ubiquitous it is. And I think the money has been provided uh, when you look at uh, Spotify and um, a lot of these companies that are rolling through Podcast One, Panoply, um, Stitcher. Apple, of course, leading the way. Now that money's there and there's a great system for it. Everyone listens to them. Advertisers understand it. So we're in a billion dollar business and that's a, a lot of money. And uh, it's great to sort of be in that market because at any point you can sort of turn a switch and uh, and decide you want, you know, a percent of a percent of that, that pie. Um, nice. I'm game. I'm game. Yep. So yeah, filmmakers, exactly. listen, tell your friends. To your family, we're here. We're having fun, and we're dropping gems. So let's do this. Yeah, no question. I'm I'm sitting here at my in my studio, and uh, I have a pair of sunglasses sitting on a folder, and underneath it is a pair of AirPods, and it looks kind of like a face. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 I can't. It's it looks like it looks like Edward Snowden wearing sunglasses. Wow, I'm just looking um, at you. Yeah, so so it's freaking me out. I'm going to switch it up here. But but I did mention the, the topic from last week, so just to get right into it. Last week we talked a long time about um, is there room for narrative film? Is there room for spec scripts anymore um, in, in studio film? And I think 
I think the conclusion we came to is, is, um, maybe not, but, but that those things will live on in other places because the market is widening to streaming. And that is a great segue to, I think the topic that we wanted to address today really, uh, it is okay. So now you made your film and, and you have it, um, you're not going to have a, a big theatrical run, or if you do, it's not going to be tent pole. It's not going to be adventures, uh, in, in this indie world we live in. Right. So what is it going to be? What is the path to profitability and what are those steps that you need to take? Yeah, man, it's, um, as you said, uh, kind of near and dear to our hearts. You know, we, we live that every day and, you know, we've, kind of been hustling for the past couple of years talking to filmmakers about, you know, what to do on the front end of the film, you know, basically in that ideation phase, you know, in the development of your film, you know, start thinking about what your brand is, you know, what kind of messages you're going to send out to the public about your film and start doing that early and often so that you can engage an audience and build an audience. And it's interesting. It's, it's not necessarily, pushback that we get from filmmakers. Uh, but it's like, they just don't want to invest the time or the money to do the upfront work. Right. So, you know, even with us coming, we'll come along and we've actually find found a couple of folks who are like, yeah, you know, you guys come along and you know, be part of the project with us and, you know, start from the beginning. But those folks who agree to that are few and far between, uh, because most of the filmmakers just want to make the film. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. let's just do that. Like, like we got the script ready and like we got the, the cast and crew, like they're already working on all this stuff, like just to make the film. And then they've made it. And there's just a big question. It's almost like it's not even a black hole. It's just kind of like a dark abyss. Right. Like if your film, you're going to doesn't. So dark, ahead. just to be clear, a black hole sucks you in. Exactly. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, a dark abyss sinks you under. You can sink. You know, you can just sink into it. Like you can fall into it, but you don't get sucked into it. That's okay, the difference. Got it. Got so it. the 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 reason I, I say it's an abyss is just basically it's just it's dark. Like you don't know what's out there, and you can just fall into it and disappear. Right? Like you just that's it. Like you're just gone. And so many indie films do that. Like even if they make it onto you know like an Amazon Prime, if no one knows about your film, like they're not gonna watch it, right? They're not going to buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are you doing? So, you know, we, we look at that, you know, we talk about kind of like the path to profitability after you've made the film, even though you didn't get in, in the front end, like there's things you can do on the back end to try to, to make it work. And, you know, I will just get on that soapbox a little bit and say, you know, most of the filmmakers that we talk to, that we deal with, that we work with, that we encounter, their plan A is that the film that they're working on is going to make it. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that or the focus that they're using is the film is going to make it. Like the content that they've created is what's going to springboard them to the next level of profit, of notoriety, of whatever it is. And unfortunately, I think probably for the greater majority of indie films, it's not really the film that's going to do that for you. It's actually you, right? The filmmaker, the team has to do that. Like they've got to put it out there. So if you go with plan A, plan A includes 
we take it to a film festival, we win the film festival, and like it's just everything is you know uphill from there. And the hard part I think for folks to to realize is that not every film festival is going to get you picked up, even if you win it. You could win ten film festivals. If you don't win the right film festival, you might not get picked up. And, and when you say picked up, you mean bought by uh, a studio or a distributor, correct? Correct. Yeah, and because I think that that's the exception. Because I was going to give you a little pushback on, uh, you know, the expectation that the content's going to do the work. So if you are in the situation where you've made uh, a movie like The Farewell, or you've made a movie like Yesterday. Um, which was the movie about the guy who basically had, uh, uh, you know, one of these magical moments, <laughs> right, <laughs> where he gets hit and then when he wakes up, the Beatles don't exist, but he still remembers all their songs. Mm-hmm. And then he becomes a big star off of all their right. songs, right? Very charming movie. Um, and uh, he makes a very interesting choice at the end. Um but but those movies, um, and last year, what it was the big sick, and, and there were some others. Like those movies stood on their own, based solely on the content. The content was the buzz, right? I agree. And what I'm saying is that the greater majority are not winning that way, right? So to just sit back, basically, with just Plan A, that to me is not the best option, right, for the majority of independent filmmakers. Now, you can be hopeful. I think having a plan A is great as long as you also have a plan B, right? So if the content doesn't get you picked up, bought by a distributor, bought by a major studio and released, then you have to figure out how to build that buzz and get it out there on your own. I do. I, I am curious, though. I do want your opinion. And this is a bit of a sidebar. I, I'm curious, though. What, what do you think it is? What do you think is the thing that I would say 80 to 90 percent, if not more, independent filmmakers and writers are missing where their content isn't strong enough to stand on its own? What, what would you say is the difference between a Farewell or a Yesterday or a Big Sick and then everything else? Yeah, well, I think, you know, is it, ju- is, is it just money? I don't uh, think that, but, but I'll let you, no, I'll let you run first. No, but I'd say there's, so it's, it's difficult. You can't, I cannot speak absolutely. Right. Um, but what I can say that I'll say that there's probably two of those factors with money being one of them. But the other one is that some of these other films do have some level of brand associated with them. And I'll say that some of them are being picked up by, or being produced by studios that have some level of notoriety or some level of connection to the industry that the majority of independent film and uh, filmmakers just don't have. Mm -hmm. So I think there's part of that is that there's already a brand associated with it and connections. Uh, But the other side, I think it unfortunately does come down to money Uh, Because I think in the industry, there are, I mean, I think probably changes every few years, uh, but I think there are sweet spots that distributors, marketers, different people look at uh, when they're looking at a film. And, you know, if you're looking at, you know, like the films you mentioned, which are, let's say, dramas, 
it's the hardest place for just your your you'd say everyday under a million dollar independent filmmaker to break into. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's already a stigma within the industry from the distributors and, and production companies that, you know, the film needs to be of a quality that is like three to $5 million just for them to have an interest because at three to $5 million, it is definitely more likely that you have notable cast and that you have, you know, procured crew and other things that are going to make your film look, even if they don't feel, but look like other films that are playing in a theater, you know, and a lot of indie films that are coming in under that budget, under a million dollars, under 500,000, they look like indie films, right? Like that's, that's, there's a big difference. It's like, I, some of these distributors, some of the studios, I think they'd love to pay three to $5 million and then look at this film and say, this is, looks like a 10 to $20 million film. Like it looks like it be, it could be in the theater. Mm-hmm. It looks like it can compete with other content out there. So yeah, I think part of it is money. I think you, you, yeah, if I you're think, not in that range, some people aren't looking at you. But I, I wonder about that. And I wonder why indie films get shot and don't look like they can be on a, on a movie screen when everyone essentially is using the same cameras. I mean, you're renting the equipment. Um, it, I think, I, so, I think, I think some of it comes down to, comes down to, yeah, exactly. I think it comes down to talent. I think yeah. talent's a, a big part of it. Like, uh, yesterday was written by the same guy who wrote love actually, which kind of makes it not feel like an independent film. And of course it was directed by Danny Boyle, which definitely doesn't make it feel like an independent film, but it kind of fell into that, that category, but it, it you know, it's, um, it's also just incredible talent. Like Darren Aronofsky did pie and that was straight indie, but you knew that guy was onto something like you, you, you knew it. And I've, I've been thinking about this around this subject a lot, which is um, just a couple of things around performances and money. I think you're right about like this sweet spot of three to $10 million budget then we run it out and we know we like we know there's an understood machine on the marketing side and branding side that can push a three to ten million dollar movie that is excellent to be a one hundred and fifty million dollar box office hit against that budget. That's that's an enormous profit. Right. Right. Um, that's kind of that sweet spot. But they haven't figured that out for, let's say, two fifty to seven fifty. And which is why we've sort of given the advice to just push the budget up, like make it a little higher so that maybe you can get, because, because you do, I think that you're saying that there's the look and feel with money, but I'm saying there's a talent gap. Oh, I agree. That's, that's my point. With the the money. Like, like, like I wonder if I could ask you just a philosophic question or a principality question, which is should a director ever direct his friends? I guess it depends on who those friends are. Um, but I, I think, well, okay. So, so, so if you're thinking about Scorsese and DiCaprio, I don't think they were friends before the movies. Then they did the movies, and now they work together almost like, like if Scorsese does a movie, DiCaprio is going to be in it. Like I get it, but I mean, at the indie level, can, can you actually push someone who you had beers with last night and happen to see you get shit faced? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you can if, if there's a if the talent is there. But 
you know, it all gets back to the goals of the film. So if we get back to just saying that we're talking about profitability here, then it's okay to use your friends if your friends align with the path to profitability, right? Like, are your friends notable enough to have an audience that can be leveraged in the marketing of your film, right? If they're not, then you're going to take a hit there. Like, you're literally relying completely on the content and nothing else. You know, again, with the movies that you mentioned, they're not relying completely on the content. The content was great, but there are industry connections there, right? There's expectations of quality there. You know, they have access at a certain dollar amount to, to higher quality, quality editing, sound, you know, lighting, locations. You know, they have access because they have the finances to pay for these other things as well. So, you know, there's there's a lot of factors that kind of go into that, you know, making a profit. Now, if you're if your goal is to make a film that includes your friends, you, you might end up having to go backwards, you know, kind of into profit. Like, well, yeah. how do we make this work out now that we've already made decisions that were not based on profit? How do we make it work? Yeah, and, and we have experience in this. Like we've done this dance. We've done it with Andy Buckley in a film. We've done it with C.J. Perry in a film. We've done it with Kate Upton in a film. And we've played this sort of, you know, you have a market to market to, and you have a brand already that helps the film out. And, and that's, that is definitely one way. I guess the way I'm thinking about it, Nick, is just from – strictly having a great performance. And I've been asking this in some of the, um, the non-indie talk interviews that we do to people who are performers and saying, how do you know when you're good? Like, how do you know that? And I'm, I'm curious because I look at, um, cause if you look at Lulu Wang, who, who did, uh, the farewell, that's, that's only her second feature. Like she's certainly not experienced, um, she, she actually got this movie because she did a $9,000 short in between because she didn't know what to do. The short was really good. She went on a festival run and met the right people. So it kind of really just comes back down to you, I guess, in a way. And she was prepared, um, to, to, for that opportunity. Right. And we know we've been in rooms with people and, and had our, our, fr- our talented creative friends around and they've been in the right place at the right time. And that's, and they're prepared for the opportunity as well. And that kind of works out. Um, or it can work out, but I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, 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 is it just the money that's like, how do you get, like, I get the sense that in a lot of independent films, maybe the money was the influence on how things were rushed. But if you look back at, at adult interference, for example, one of the shining moments of that movie was Ted's performance. But Ted was really pushed hard. He was pushed hard. He had, there were scenes I watched him do in 35 degree weather 25 times. And then I've been on other sets where it was a, it was a one or two take thing. And I thought, did you get that? Uh, I'm not sure you got that. Right. And, but, but the director and the performer and the team, the whole, the whole team are so familiar that that there's a social order already in place before they anyone says action do you get what i'm saying 
Yeah, I hear you. I hope I'm not dancing around it too much, but 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 it's like no one knew who Timothy Chalamet was. He he burst on the scene because in in, in his movie Call Me by My Name, um, I oh no, that's not the name of the movie. What's the name of the movie? Um, Timmy Ch- Timothy Chalamet's um debut movie Call Me by Call Me by Your Name. Call, I think, damn it, I'm gonna mess it up. I gotta look it up. That was my name, huh? That was my name. Call Me by My Name, but yeah, maybe not. yeah, 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 yeah. I thought so. It was. So anyway, that was just performance based. He's just a fucking great actor. With your name. Yeah, call me by your name. Yeah, and and he's such a good actor that it created a buzz. And so it might just be a thing where one path to profitability and making sure your content is great and ready for theaters and ready for mass distribution is make sure someone in the movie is super duper talented, no matter if they have a name or not. Like, I still to this day, I will go to my grave saying this, Nick, that in another version of you, which by the way comes out on November 26th, we're super pumped about that. That that Brittany Belland stole that movie. She stole the movie. She stole every scene she was in. She was 100%. I've, and I said that way before the tragedy. Like, this isn't me being sentimental. Like, I have been saying that for three years. She was really talented and was was definitely on her way. Um, you, you see what I mean? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's just it's interesting. I think everyone wants to do that or has an expectation that they are that. You know, they kind of go into each of these films believing in the talent of either themselves or others. So mm-hmm. it's difficult to say, hey, make sure they're talented because I think they think they're all talented. And for me, it's just, you know, there's there's certain things that you can do to position yourself um, that go beyond the content. That's or what the I was, talent of the actors. And that's what I'm asking. Like, do you lose your objectivity for what? what brilliance looks like, what talent looks like, smells like, feels like if you're really close to the people that are in your movie and that are making your movie. So, so even down to the point that like you're, you're attached at the hip to a DP that might just be average. Yeah. I think you absolutely do lose some level of objectivity. Um, Again, if your goal is profit, right? If your goal is to make a film with your friends, then it's all good. Um, but if you're looking to, <laughs> you know, make a profit, it's kind of like you, you, as we've told, you know, every filmmaker, you know, as soon as you decide to make a film, you're basically deciding to start your own business, mm-hmm. you know, so you got to run it like that. Like you want to have the best people attached to it. Uh, you want to make sure that you're getting the best results, you know, because you got to run this startup. You know, this is this has got to be the best thing possible with the resources, of course, that you have. Uh, but, yeah, I think you do lose some objectivity. It's difficult to uh, maybe for some people difficult to push each other that much because you don't want to you don't want any hurt feelings or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, my my big thing is, again, if you're kind of making that formula for profitability, you know, one of them is having, you know, notable cast in your film. Now you can surround that those notable cast members with your friends. There's nothing wrong with that. 
but you know, part of the whole marketing thing for a film is who's in it, you know, and it's, it's a combination of talent, but it's also a combination. Uh, the other part is, you know, confidence, you know, when I see someone that I recognize, if I like their stuff or I've seen their stuff before, you know, I have a certain level of confidence in the professionalism of the delivery and I may have confidence in their performance. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't know anything about that film, but because they're in it, I'll watch it. And it doesn't have to be superstar. We talked about that before, but just someone that's recognizable, you know, in in some area. If you can find someone that's recognizable in your genre, that's awesome. You know, if you can find someone who's a recognizable advocate for some theme that you have, you know, in your film, you know, maybe the person hasn't done, you know, a movie that has that's a that's a drama uh, per se. Uh, maybe they deal with more with comedies, and you want to put them in your film. Uh, but your film is a comedy that, or excuse me, your film is a drama that talks about cancer. And this person who does dramas has been doing, you know, cancer, he does cancer support, cancer awareness, like, and, and they're talented, bring them in. Not because they're known for the genre, but not because they're known for one of the themes that's in your film, right? And that'll help to drive people to your content. And that's one of the biggest things for me in that, you know, making a profit. It's like, you know, how are you going to bring people? And one of the first things is it's that it's, it's who's in it. So if you can secure, you know, a couple of your key cast members um, who've been on a couple of things, you know, again, they don't have to be superstars, but, you know, there's an audience that they've curated over time. Uh, if you're on brand with that audience, then, you know, you could do you could do some good things, especially in a low budget. You know, you don't need to take over the world. You know, you just need to be able to um, leverage and gauge uh, an audience that is, a, we say, relatively sizable for your film. Yeah, and and you you touched on something right there that that I've really been battling with uh, again philosophically and and principally of late. Um, this this idea that. So, so there's an axiom in business, which is that to do well in business, you have to love your customer. And everybody's like, yeah, duh. But no, podcast land, hear me out. A lot of businesses actually revile their customers and, and they have developed their solution because they feel like the only help their customers will ever get, the only way their customers will ever succeed is to sell them their solution without them. So, so, so what that does is that places the business as your God, right? Your savior. We don't love you. We think you're foolish and you need help. And that's why we made the solution for you. And I think a lot of filmmakers approach genre films that way. You know, I've heard the, I've heard a lot of different truisms about horror film, for example, right? It, it always feels like a horror film is being made, like with the idea of, well, we're just going to go scare these motherfuckers. These, these guys, they go watch anything that's scary. It's a cult out there. They don't care what they see. Just throw the horror film in front of them and it'll do well. And anytime somebody talks like that, it makes me run for the door. Like I get scared. Like, no, 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 no. Anytime you think something's true, then the opposite is about to come true. Like that's not it. You have to love your. And so this, there's also a truism about, oh, it's horror. You don't need a name. Like I've heard that from people I respect. And 
I don't know about that. Like Elizabeth Moss is about to be in a horror film that looks incredible. But the reason why it might work with her where it hasn't worked with stars in the past is because her performance is going to be unreal. She's a great actress, actor. She's great. So therefore, the movie has the potential to be great. It's not, it's not, well, we didn't, we overpaid. We didn't need her because it's horror. People are going to watch it no matter what. No, it's not true. You have to love your audience. Yeah. And I think right now you talk about that audience and that's a path to profit to me is to love your audience. And I think that's, you know, in order to love anything, I think you got to know what it is, right? Like you got to, it's got to be very specific. And I think, you know, when you make any film, you got to be very specific about that audience that you're catering to. Um, and I think that that gets into, again, how you cast, you know, is a, is a big part of it. It's like, are you casting people that are going to do well in that genre, you know, that, that people are expecting to see? You know, it's kind of funny. I was, but, also, uh, but also, did you shoot the movie in a way that your audience would love? Yeah. Or did you or did you take the shortest, cheapest way forward? Because what the hell? It's a horror movie. Yeah, and, and I was going to say that. Did uh, you write the, a great script, or did you say, "Well, just let me do it with the music. <laughs> let me scare right. them with the music," because they'll go to anything. It's a cult out there. Right. No. No. And I think so. The other part of that audience, and knowing your so loving your audience, and and knowing who your audience is, I think is also knowing that your audience is being catered to by. I don't know what thousands of other people right now, like mm-hmm. the amount of content that's available, like you can't just anymore because there's so much content that you're competing with that, you know, your stuff has to be at the highest level in a lot of ways. So I want to kind of just kind of jump back into, you know, what we're saying about, you know, you've made this film and then, then what, and what's this path to profitability and making mm-hmm. sure that you're doing all the things. So you made it, and you're trying to get distribution, you're, you're trying to get, you know, the word out there. Um, so, you know, a lot of films do get picked up. So let's say, let's say you do get picked up. I'm going to just jump into that, right? You get picked up, you get picked up by a, a small distributor. This isn't going to be, I'm not talking about, you know, one of the large studios picking you up or an A24 on the indie side, uh, but a smaller distributor. And uh, I did a bunch of, you could call it Amazon. So the orchard picks you up. Yeah, an orchard. You know, you have um, even I think you know Gravitas is one of the the larger. They got a you know catalog of thousands of films. Um, you know, but I you know Gravitas wouldn't be on the level of a of a Disney, right? Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things that I've seen, I did like I said, I did some uh, you call it Amazon Prime Video research and started looking into as many independent films as possible. Uh, basically, just checking out key art titles and uh, watching trailers. I think I, I probably have watched, you know, two to three hundred of these um, over the past, you know, a couple of weeks, and it's it's interesting. It's almost, um, I don't know. I guess you could say unbelievable. Uh, some of the stuff that I'm seeing uh, from the key art, Do tell. some of the yeah, some of the key art is very weak. You know, so if you're gonna look at the key art and try to uh, differentiate. You know, oh, which film do I watch? Right. Based off the key art, there are films that you would see there and think not just indie, but you think low budget. Right. Like that's not something I want to see when I'm looking at a film. Like I'm not looking for a low budget. Right. I went looking for indie. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I want things that are character driven. They might be low budget. I don't know. But the idea is I'm looking for things that are character driven, made by real people outside of the studio. You know, I'm a I'm, we're big indie proponents. I want to see indie films. But I see key art and that key art looks low budget. Right. It looks like an afterthought. And then I look at the the next thing is you get a synopsis. Some of them were blank. Like there's no synopsis. Like you're not even telling me what the film is about. You know, like I'm, I just, I'm, I'm blown here, you know? So, so what, what are we doing? And then the next thing is I click on the trailer and I cannot tell you how many of the trailers were actually the opening scene of a film where half of it was just the credits, the opening credits were going. Like I haven't, like I'm trying to figure out what's happening. Like, am I watching the movie? You know, I, I did that. I had to stop it a couple of times. I thought I was watching the movie by accident. Did I click play? No, it's just, that's the trailer. Yeah. And this is Amazon's play to be sort of the iTunes of movies where, you know, if you're, you, you mean you could make an album in this studio tomorrow and then we could put it up to iTunes, but it doesn't mean Apple cares or sees it. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Anybody can find it. It could be shit, you know, yeah. whatever. And they pay out bottom, bottom, bottom dollar. Right. Per play, and that's but that's what they where do. they're going, right? So that's where a lot of the independent content, you know, even some of the best of it, is going to be going to these, you know, kind of streaming platforms. Maybe they go straight to Blu-ray, DVD. Um, but on these streaming platforms, you have, let's say, digital, iTunes, Amazon Prime, Vudu, YouTube uh, TV, Vimeo Pro, Tubi. Yeah, Tubi. So if you're on, if you're going to get on these again, this is. You're there. You didn't do the work up front. You have an opportunity to kind of set yourself apart at this level of the game. Now, it might mean that you need to spend some money to up your key art, right, which you can do by looking at other key art in your genre that's been done by studios, right, and trying to mimic that work. It's about having a good tagline and a good quick synopsis of your film that you can provide to these places so that you look legitimate. Like, again, that's this idea of this this confidence. You know, when you see certain people in films or if a film costs a certain amount of money as a distributor, you're like, there's a certain level of confidence that things will have been done right. Mm -hmm. And then the next one is your trailer. You know, we, we talk about it all the time where video is king. And, you know, in the industry that you're in, the filmmaking industry, it is king and queen. All right. So if your trailer doesn't look right, uh, again, you're just losing opportunities to make profit because you're not providing the legitimacy that you need to compete with all of this content that's out there. And you have folks like Netflix making their own content now. Right. Mm So if you want to get seen I mean, I'm just talking about some simple, basic things right now. Key art, you know, your synopsis and your trailer. That's just simple stuff. That gets that's even before you get into what's your social campaign going to be like. Do you have agreements with your cast and crew to post on their social and to mobilize their audience? You know, there's a bunch of other things. But right there, I think I think the, the biggest point that I'm getting down to with this stuff is it doesn't just happen. Right. That's that's that whole plan A. Like you make it right. and then you get out there and someone buys your film for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. You make all your money back. You pay your investors back. You know, you win awards like no. You so, know, that there's, is- there's so much to dig into on that, too. With, uh, that, that whole last um, 
talking point. There's so much to dig in from just the fact that there's a good chance your investor in good faith thinks you're on top of it when you're not. Uh, there might be people out there listening, rolling their eyes saying, yeah, we get it. It's not going to just happen. No, no, no. There is a real sentiment in independent film that someone else is going to take the baton and do it. Yeah. That, that it is just going to happen and that you will not have to be a part of it. And that is just, it is unfortunate uh, that it, that, that is not the case. It just, it just isn't. So if you've run out of energy at post, you, you, you're in for a tough ride. Um, you, you have to maintain that energy and, and get that second wind to really push that movie and look at the end of the day, it's your career. Um, so, so just like in any other field, you know, no one's going to make something happen for you. And then the last thing I want to dig into on, on that, what you just said too, before, uh, gets too far away. is just, you, you were talking about the way content looks, key art looking bad, no synopsis. The trailer's just sort of the opening of the film that all those things are branding pieces. That's right. 100%. So when someone sees less than pro key art, they assume your movie's less than pro. Yep. Uh, when they see a less than pro trailer, they assume the movie will follow. And, um, you know, back as I've said a million times when I started in, in music, uh, one of the first things we learned was that if you, you know, people would listen and would get a sense would almost thin slice to, uh, to reference Malcolm Gladwell, um, would almost thin slice your song in about eight seconds. So you had about eight seconds and if they, they would just intuitively know this song's in the wrong key for me. This is the wrong genre for me. This is the wrong rhythm, tempo, sound for me. And that was it. And so you, you, every time you put something out in the name of your film, it ties back into the perception, which is what the brand of your film is. The, the perception of the market. Yeah, uh, and that's our perception yeah. of your movie from the market. From the market, right? Yeah. And that, and that's the that's the thing. Again, we've we, we try to hammer this home and try to get folks to think about it up front. And hopefully, having this conversation will get some more people to think about it up front. Because, um, like you mentioned, you know, after post, filmmakers are exhausted. You know, it's a lot of work. And even after going to the first film festival, whether you won it or you lost it there's a lot of anticipation, there's a lot of stress, anxiety, there's a lot of stuff that builds up and it makes it difficult to then pick up that baton at the end and start moving forward. And then I'll say, secondly, it's not really the part of the core skill set of many of the filmmakers, which is why they just want to make the film. Like that's what they do. They don't do branding and marketing. It's like, and, and we just, I just kind of get back to the idea that, okay, so you started a business but didn't think about how you were going to sell your product. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that doesn't, the dog doesn't hunt, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of a crazy thing for us, but that's what it is. So when we talk about these films that are 250,000, 350,000, even 500,000, you know, that's what it costs to make the film. Mm-hmm. Like that's the challenge, right? So if you get into the three to five million, I think there's actually an expectation that a portion of that budget has already been allocated to, you know, prints and advertising or branding and marketing. You know, it's built into that budget. You have a larger budget, you have more to work with. Whereas at the 250, 500,000, 
you got to use every dollar to make the film itself. So that's why, again, we advocate, okay, if you think you can make this high quality film that you're talking about for 250, then maybe make your budget 500,000. Well, plus when, when you raise your budget, you're able to get a different level of name. Uh, We assume the talent comes with it. That's not always the case, but you get a higher level name. Yep. And when you get a higher level name, you take care of the profit problem on the front end a lot of times yeah. because you're able to pre-sell your film to foreign markets. And then you're able to, based on those contracts, get a completion bond, which is guaranteed by a bank. And your investors are pretty like at least set to get their money back at, at minimum. But yeah, or, or at working least at, working at audience. Right. And then at a lower budget, no, you don't have that opportunity. So therefore your decision-making actually has to be really on point. And look, we run a small business. Nick and I run a small business. So we know that every time there's a decision that we have to make that has to do with money or brand, we measure twice and cut once. So we're, we're yeah. not, we're, we're advocating for the same thing we would do. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And I think that's so again, when you're you've kind of we're getting to that spot where you've made the film, unless you haven't done these things that we're talking about up front, you know, basically again the, the message we're driving home is that, you know, it's not gonna be done for you. You got you have to recognize that. I think there is always the film festival route. I think it's a great thing to do to get exposure. I think it's great to get it out there to see if you can win something. Uh, but you just, you have to understand that you're going to have to put in the work. The majority of the films, and I'm talking about the greater majority, because we talk about, you know, like unicorn companies, the same thing with unicorn films. They only come every once in a while, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's not a lot of 250,000, 500,000 million dollar independent films um, that are really making it big. When you look at the entire universe of independent films that are being made, right? The percentage may not even be 1%. So, you know, you got to put in the work to get your stuff seen. So just, just do the, do the right things. Like do the simple things, right? The key art, make sure your synopsis is wherever you're going to, you need to put it, make sure that you have video content to market, right? The trailer is a big piece of it. And then, you know, sliced up, you get a teaser, you know, you can put that content on social media, you know, put that content on YouTube, put that content wherever you possibly can to drive the interest because it's your job to do that. And if you need to bring in other people who think about this stuff, I mean, that's what, you know, what we do. Uh, you know, we think about this stuff. We consider your brand. We consider your market. We consider the audience. We consider the themes. You know, we consider, you know, who your cast and crew are and what levers they have. Uh, you know, so if you don't know what to do at that point, then whether it's us or someone else, I say, you know, get someone else on board. So, you know, that that's kind of for me, it's like you, you got to do those those things after the fact. And if you just let it go, it's what I call shelfware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is even if it's quote unquote out there and available, if yeah. it's not being seen, it's basically on the shelf. Yeah. And, and look, talent 
and 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 filmmakers and us, us artists, us creatives, we get so much anxiety when we're not being buzzed about when we have something fresh and new out there. It'll drive us crazy. So don't put yourself in a position where no one's talking about your your work. No one's talking about your film uh, because you will go crazy. But uh, I love what you just said at the end about bringing someone else in. I think that's a great segue into what my final point would be. And, and I would you know, love to just wrap up my thoughts with a couple of um, of um, true stories and examples that, that touch on this uh, that I've been thinking about of late. And um, one is is uh, Jay-Z. So Jay-Z is obviously one of the most prolific and successful hip hop artists of all time. But one of the things he talks about as a secret sauce early on was that he would make music in the studio and then he would put that music into the hands of some friends from his neighborhood, people that he trusted, and they let him ride around with the music for a week. And they would come back objectively and, you know, and say, like, this is the one we played the most. You know, instead of having a bunch of sycophants around the people that were in the studio who were going to tell him every song he did was great. He took that music outside and and then that's how he was able to put together great albums that was one, you know, that basically had one banger after the other. Uh, Bill Belichick, the most successful coach in NFL history, um, has a dataist and had it early before everyone else was into sort of um, the analytics of sports. And it kept him from being emotional in an emotional game and let him see the game in in in, in terms of numbers and skill sets and who runs what speed and what are their what are their unique skills? Can I use this player? He was one of the first players that used a wide receiver as a defensive back in certain sets because it didn't matter that he wasn't trained to do that. It's that he knew the numbers on that player. A player was Troy Brown, for example. Um, and then um, just just this idea of having uh, someone uh, and both of those examples, by the way, point to just having someone outside of your immediate group, do a, do some QC for you. Now, I know that we all make films and do test screenings, but in the test screenings I've been to, I don't think those, those audience members reflect your audience. And that's the, that's the miss. That's the nuance. Jay-Z put it into the hands of people from his neighborhood that like hip hop, right? Bill Belichick is using a football guy to give him numbers about a sport that you can research. So when we go out and do screenings, you know, my primary advice would be on your test screening, try to really nail down your audience. Who, who would be interested in this movie? Who watches, who would watch this? And then let that be your test screening group. Let it be strangers, not people that you already have their email address, bring them in, feed them, give them drinks, whatever, and then you'll have a good sense of did you know did I love my audience with my work? Yeah, and I think there's that there's a certain level of objectivity basically that is the the thread you know between those two stories and what you're saying there. And I think that's you know as consultants in that world as as you know advisory producers, I think that's what we are offering. You know, and again, there's other folks out there who do it as well. So, of course, we're going to upsell what we do uh, and the value that we provide. But it is that objectivity that's very, very important 
as you're moving from one stage of your business, right, of your film into the next. And by having folks come and do the stuff that you don't do, right, like the data analysts, like that's what they do. They do data, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. that's that's their core job. They know what they're doing by having people come into your team that focus on these various business aspects. I mean, you're you're doing what you would have done with your cast or a crew mm-hmm. member, right? You're, you're going to get an editor, right? You're not going to ask one of your lead actors just to edit. You know, like it's you get, get, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but that's the idea is that you want to make sure you're getting qualified folks to come in and, and look at these things and and give you a perspective on well, on this. Yes. But also and the difference between the two stories is, you know, you know, in the Belichick story, he's hiring someone who's obviously a professional. But in yep. the JC story, he's not. These are people that aren't pros. These are just fans. And I think that the interesting thing is that Artists can be a very complex thing. Actually, anything can be complex. You can go down a rabbit hole in any subject if you want. But there is a very simple thread that goes through anything, and especially art. So, so for example, when you have a lay audience come watch your film, you might get some notes about cinematography or about the performances or about the music. But what you're mostly going to get notes on is the story because the story, and I've said this before, story is king. And this is the proof. If you tell a great story, all the rest of it falls away for the most part. A great story stands up on its own, just the same way. Great. A great song will stand up on its own without it having to be a million dollar production uh, around the instrumentation and the sonic quality of it. A good song is a good song is a good song. A good story is a good story is a good story. And and um, I had thought about this the other day. Um, when my youngest daughter came back from basketball practice, she was disappointed. She was upset with herself, Nick, that she'd had a bad practice. She, she was messing up all the plays. She was getting yelled at. Um, it was too complex. She, she wasn't performing well. She wasn't shooting well. And I said to her, just remember that basketball is really simple. You want to put the ball in the hoop and you want to keep someone else from putting the ball in the hoop. And if you do those two things well, you'll be successful at this sport. It's as simple as that. The other thing you need to understand is there's no limitation on how you put the ball into the hoop or how you stop someone from putting the ball into the hoop within the rules of the game. And I think doing this helps filmmakers understand that for all the key art, for all the trailers, the creation, the post, the branding, the marketing, at the end of the day, the best movies tell the best stories. That's it. The best movies tell the best stories. Well, you know, for me, my friend, the, uh, the way I try to be the, the yin to that yang is that uh, in the field of dreams, they said, if you build it, they will come. And I always say, well, if they don't know about it, how are they going to get there? Right. <laughs> I, built a, I, built, I built a library in my previous house, and I thought people would come and read books, and nobody did. <laughs> right. <laughs> they just sat on so, the shelf. Yeah, so story is king. But again, the, the path to the profitability is going to be in attracting people to that story. Mm-hmm. So don't, you know, create obstacles. 
um, that are going to keep you from doing that. So you know, if you made your film, it's out in the wild. Make sure that you either have partners that can support you in this, or that you, you're paying attention and doing it yourself. But make sure that you know the key art can stand up against you know your studio level key art. Uh, make sure that you've got some um, some copy in there around what your film is about, and make sure that that's evenly or, or consistently distributed across all the platforms where it's available. Make sure that you've got a trailer that is very strong. Make sure you've got a teaser to accompany it. And then look at different ways of cutting that content up, that video content up, so you can provide it and share it on social. Uh, because these are places that you're going to really have to you're going to have to excel in order for people to to see yeah. the great thing that you put together. Get reviews, and, even if you have to pay for them. Yeah, um, I mean, do do interviews. Yeah, podcasts. social ad, social ad buys. Like these are all the things. Again, it's it can be daunting for a filmmaker, which is why we say you know we're available to help if you need it. Uh, but these are all the things that that need to be done to make a profit off your film after you've uh, made your film. And I just want to you know kind of leave by just emphasizing that says that you know for the vast majority of independent film, no one is going to do the rest of it for you. Like that's if if you go in there with a plan A, if someone's going to do it, to just make sure you've got plan B right there in that back pocket that you're ready to whip out when, you know, you don't win the film festival or you don't get into the festival that you wanted. Say, OK, that didn't work out on to the next and make sure you do all those things. And we can get to have a whole other podcast to talk about every specific thing that needs to be done afterwards. But, you know, you got to put in the work. No one's going to do it for you. Yeah, I love that. And I 100 percent agree. I, I think two things can be true. Right. And so the story thing is to fly in the face just for people listening. It's not to fly in the face of of what Nick is talking about, about making sure you have a path to profitability. I think what good story does more than anything is it means you you don't have to create as much gimmicks around your branding and marketing to convince people to watch your movie because you'll have great word of mouth as as a very, very strong it's basically word of mouth is the holy grail for marketers and branders. So if, if another human being will tell another human being, this is great, you will not get better marketing and content than that. So do yourself a favor, tell a great and unique story. And then when you go and create your pro level content, as Nick mentioned, you'll be easily, easily on your way. And, and to your point about no one doing it, Nick, I 100% agree. I had saw a shirt that inspired me, which says, uh, no one cares. And it had a bold line under it, work harder underneath it. And it's really true. At the end of the day, I think people do care. But at the end of the day, if you're just complaining and 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 filled with anxiety about what to do next, at, at some point, people are like, man, just go do you. Just go do it. Just go. And we're, we're rooting for you. We'll help you. But just go get it done. And then that's a better story than the story of what kept you from doing it. So... Nick, this is uh, always a blast. I'm so glad we got to do it again. Part two of this indie talk. And um, maybe I'll, I'll mash these up together for an ultra long one and, and republish it. But uh, thanks again for the time. And this was awesome. Yeah, man. And again, everybody out there in podcast land, which will soon be podcast world. Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, coming to listen to us and, you know, basically being part of the conversation uh, because we're trying to do some some good things, some fun things, some positive things for the indie filmmaking community. So, you know, let's band together and make it happen. 
Amen. And so to Nick's point, if you need to reach out to us, you can do that on social media across the board at uh, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative. That's underscore Bonsai Creative. And if you have a question, please send us your questions at contact at Bonsai.film. So B-O-N-S-A-I dot F-I-L-M contact at bonsai.film for all your questions and we will be back at it again with a wonderful interview next week and some more indie talks around the corner all right nick i'll talk to you yes, soon. Sir. all right man take it easy all right man be cool bye peace you've been listening to the make it podcast to find out more information on this week's creative including links to their projects and social media feeds please visit our website at www.bonsai.film forward slash make it. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative. If you do that, the show will pop right up. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Show Me How to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.